0: You want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training.
1: Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review.
0: Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Josh Melton. Welcome, Josh.
1: Mads, appreciate you having me, man. Let me say this. Number one, I've listened to the podcast. I love it. If you're listening right now, you need to go and review this podcast. Not this episode, but the Mad Seeger Management Podcast. It helps out the podcast definitely with uh, subscriptions and reviews. So go review this podcast, find your favorite episode, and make sure you're tuning in to this one. So Mads, I appreciate you having me on the show, man.
0: Fantastic to have you, Jeff. Fantastic to have you. Uh, before we get into all the good stuff, can you tell the audience a, a little minute about who you are and how you ended up where you are right now?
1: Yeah, so I am in Athens, Georgia. I've been a small business owner for about 20 years. And uh, man, coming out of college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I got invited to a network marketing meeting. And they had, you know, had, built the dream and they spent some circles up on the board. And then I was like hook, line and sink. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a business owner. And so that was the kickoff. That was the seed of entrepreneurship in me was that meeting. And uh, here we are, you know, 20 something years down the road. I have a successful uh, professional office cleaning business. I clean a lot of banks and doctor's offices uh, here again, you know, the, the Atlanta area of Georgia in the U.S. And it's a thriving business at this point. I went through our highs and lows and had a little bit of a turnaround about four years ago which kind of put us on new heights but uh love doing what i do love being an entrepreneur and i love leadership and trying to help people level up when it comes to you know the way that they think about dealing with other people but honestly the way they think about dealing with themselves taking themselves to the next level we got to lead manage ourselves well before we can lead and manage others well but uh, on top of that wife three kids love playing soccer coaching soccer for kids and i got my own podcast, Stronger Business Podcast, do some coaching stuff as well. So, man, I'll tell you, Mads, at 41 years old, uh, my life looks nothing like I thought it would at 21 or 22 or what I saw when I was in that network marketing meeting. But, man, I love my life. I love where I'm at.
0: I am right there with you. I'm right there with you. I, I had not guessed I had not guessed 15 years ago how my life would look like. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm extremely happy where I've ended up so far. And uh, yeah, excited to see what comes next. Uh, so love it. Love it. Uh, you, you mentioned there just we need to learn to lead and manage ourselves first before we lead and manage other people. Tell me mm-hmm. more. How do we do that?
1: So I think that most of us, every now and then, you see this like unicorn person, which just seems to have tremendous self discipline. They're like aggressive with like self, you know, their personal development and they got great habits. But again, like unicorn, like superhero type. Most of us, I think, just by human nature, tend to procrastinate. We tend to be selfish. We tend to be lazy. I just think that's kind of the way that we're wired. We got good in us, but we got to get motivated to pursue it. So I think, man, when it comes down to it, uh, I read a book in my early 20s and I really didn't like this thing that I read, Mads, but it said, if there's ever a problem, that has anything to do with you? Then you need to look in the mirror and say, "What part of this am I responsible for?" Because if the problem deals with you, most often you have you play a role in that problem. And um, it said also when there's opportunities for you know like when when you level up to look and see like who else helped you level up. So it helped me understand that okay, I'm responsible for my life and how it turns out. It doesn't mean I'm, re- I'm it's my fault for certain things that happen to me necessarily, but it is my responsibility on how I respond, regardless of what circumstances. So I think, man, I, that just I didn't like that because I, you know, I I wanted to have some pity for myself in my life. I wanted to, you know, to remove responsibility for certain situations so that I didn't have to level up. All right, it's not my fault. But so when I read that, you gotta take responsibility. If you want to have a great life, you got to realize that you can fix a lot of the issues that you may be facing. But if you think that you can't fix the issues or the external circumstances or pressures or people force you in here and you're kept there, you're stuck. And so, you know, stuck between the two, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go the self-responsibility route. And I think where it's led me is being able to, you know, level up some, not to say I don't battle laziness or bad habits. I do. I cycle through things just like anybody else would, but I recognize this quote I heard, you know, years and years ago, if it's, if it's going to be, it's up to me and not as in like, I got to do everything myself, but when it comes down to it from the standpoint of my life, you know, if my life is going to be a success, if I'm going to win, it's 100% up to me. It's not dependent on others. So I love that concept and that philosophy. And uh, I tried to build that into my businesses and with my team as well, you know, to teach them like, hey, don't don't point at the person on your team. You hired that person. Like you train that person, like you bear the responsibility as well. So I think for me, that's what the self, self-responsibility and self-management comes in. The better we get at leading ourselves, the better we can then lead others.
0: I, I love it. I mean, I, I take it the step further. So I, I have to say, I have not been an unhappy human for 20 years. And and I again, it's up to me, right? But but the happiness that I have and the happiness that I carry every single day comes from the fact that I take 100% responsibility, including for things that happens to me. Uh, and the reason is, you know, if someone drives into me and it's 100% their, their fault, reality is i was where i was because of my choices now someone else might have caused a certain situation that's an issue but in the end of the day it was my choice to be where i was at that point in time and the whole thing is i'm not saying i'll go out and take responsibility for the accident i'm saying i am the reason why i was there in the first place and reality is that for me what that means specifically is that what I see is when you take a 100% responsibility for anything that happens around you, what actually happens is the fact that you cannot hide, right? Like I, I cannot physically be unhappy because if I am unhappy, I need to go take a big hard look in the mirror and I need to fix it. Not anyone else, no one else yes. does things to me, right? No one breaks up with you. Yes, they, they technically can break up with you, But in the end of the day, it's in your grasp, right? If you get fired, it's not someone else's fault. It is 100% your fault, right? And that that mindset, from my point of view, just, yeah, I mean, you explained it well, but but I take it one step further. And I actually say I am also responsible for what happens to me. Because here's the thing, people are very, very good at saying, this person made me angry. Oh, yeah. This person made me unhappy. Right. Here's the thing. No one ever made you unhappy. People did something that influenced you in some way. Uh And the outcome was you chose to be unhappy about that.
1: Yeah, even if it's a reaction, right? So even if anger is a reaction. So somebody might say, Mads, hold on a second. You're saying that if you walk up to me right now and punch me in the face and I get angry, that it's my fault that I'm angry, like I'm choosing to be angry. And we can say 100% oh, absolutely because Mads can't control my emotions. Right. And also <clears throat> the conditioning I've allowed myself to receive. I'm responsible for that. You know, whatever I've watched, listened to, you know, cause you could, you could condition yourself for that to happen and you not be angry. So, Hey, if you get angry when that happens, which again, I'd be okay if you did get angry with that. But if you get angry, like it is your responsibility. Like you chose anger even if it seems like a reaction because you chose the experiences that you've had up to that moment.
0: Yeah. And, and the whole thing is that, again, it's the way you look at it because fundamentally if someone says he made me angry, it's like, no, I didn't. I punched you in the face. Yep, <laughs> That's what I did. Uh, your response is your responsibility. And people are always like, oh, you can't choose your response. And the, the simple question is if whatever happens to you happened in the church, would you react differently? And the answer for everyone is like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Now that tells you one very simple thing, you control your emotions. Yeah. Because else you would be unable to act differently if it had happened in a church and set up in a busy nightclub.
1: Yeah. Right? I talk to my kids about this same thing all the time, right? Because they're like, he made me mad. I was like, well no, he created some circumstances that were easy for you to get mad in. But yeah. you chose you're choosing to be mad right now. Nobody can, you're the only one who can choose to stop it. And all of us, right. Mads, think about this, that anger thing, right? At what point, like, do we just not choose to change that emotion? Most of us don't stay mad. Like, we'll you know, we'll slide into happiness or sadness or some other emotion. Is it, you know, outside circumstances that are totally controlling that for us? Or are we choosing that on our own? I'm Mm -hmm. like, I say, hey, you're choosing it. Whether you know it or not, that's what your choice is. The Pavlov's dog experience, that's one of my favorite stories because you can – How we respond is our responsibility, right? But we can be conditioned to respond in certain ways. And so I did this talk several years back, and it was in regards to that. I was like, look, you can train yourself in that same situation we talked about, getting punched in the face, to have a different reaction. And so choose what you want your response to be for something in different situations. This is how if I have a negative coworker, if I have somebody on my team underperforming, like don't view it as is. This is how it makes me feel. Say, Mm -hmm. how do I want to feel in situations like this? How do I want to respond? And then you just condition yourself to make that response that you're choosing, that intentional response, your automatic reaction. We're in control of how we react to things. That's why I make people do karate. What is karate? It's teaching yourself to react to things differently. You're choosing the response. I'm going to take this type of karate, and I'm going to learn how to react this way When this set of circumstances, when this set of stimuli comes into my environment, this is how I'm going to react. You don't know exactly how to do it at the beginning, but you teach yourself to do it. So again, I, I think we can teach ourselves all those types of things. And that being said too, Mads, this is what I love about it from the standpoint of leadership, management, and building and leading a team. If Josh and Mads can teach that for ourselves, if we can teach ourselves to react in the way that would be our chosen response, that means our team members can do the same thing. And that means that we can lead them toward that again they have to make the decision but if you got a good fit on your team they want to get better you know they can get better in almost every situation not to say their skill sets are always going to be you know we have different personalities and stuff like that but people if you give them the right information and they have the motivation they can change their behavior and we can do it for ourselves as well yep
0: 100% 100% now how do we create the right environment i mean you had a bit of a turnaround a while back and uh, How did you go around turning around the company?
1: So Mads, I had a cleaning company and I never wanted to be known as the cleaning company owner. So I always had other stuff going on and I'd hired a manager to run the company. And I had a, just this hunch at a certain point, I'm like, Hey, I don't think things are going great. And I think I need to go back into that company. And I was like, I don't want to do it. It was reluctance, but I went back in and I like studied kind of where we were, like, what's our, what's our culture like? What are our, what's our data like? you know, what's, what's going on in the company. And I saw so many fractures and we took a 25% loss in annual revenue in a six week period of time between Thanksgiving and Christmas, right when I was coming back in. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is terrible. And it was terrible, but looking back, it was the best thing that ever happened to this company for this particular reason. I had read all the leadership books, you know, all the things that, the podcast the audios the conferences and they all talk about core values they all talk about mission and vision and these these things right and i, I had attempted to put some of the things in place i had a mission statement for our company it said we go above and beyond to serve people but it was just a statement written on a sheet of paper it wasn't being lived out and so when i looked at the data and i looked at what was going on what was going on in the company when i looked at kind of the the narrative of that company's existence i'm like man we earned this 25% loss because we're not living out values, because they're just not written down. So what I did is I wrote down everything I didn't like about the company. I don't like that we're not showing up on time. I don't like that we're completing 75% of the job. I just started writing down things that that I didn't appreciate. And when I did that, I said, okay, well, what would we need to look like to not look like this? Like, What character traits do we need? And I wrote down seven things based on me just like you know spilling out a bunch of stuff i said we got to have character we got to communicate we got to we got to care you know we just got to care about a good job i was like we need you know we're cleaning companies Like so we got to we got to prioritize safety more we got to have like a heart to serve people it's got to be a, it's, we're service industry. you has gonna be service-minded i was like and we need to build relationships with our clients better and if we do those six things we're going to have results and results is important too and i just boom seven core values and I started looking at everybody on my team and said, how do they compare to these seven core values? Are they a fit or not? You know, and sometimes they'd be a fit in some and not in others. And I came up with, a, you know, we at the same time were reading through the book Traction by Gino Wickman and the EOS system. And so that was, you know, the people analyzer. So I was doing that. And it just, I mean, it inspired me on that side of things to like, all right, let's evaluate everybody. And it, same thing. We had 30% of our, of our team members turned over they weren't the right fits also we're trying to alter the culture so the mission i was like we're going to live this mission now we go above and beyond to serve people we go above and beyond to serve people that was like everything we do i'm going to ask myself are we doing that well or not because that's our purpose as a company we you know we take out trash we we you know refill paper towels that's what we do but what we what we're about we're doing that to serve other people so that was it i was like what company want to be like and for us i'm like chick-fil-a they just they're in a you know fast food industry. And they show out as like professionals and people of excellence. Like we're going to do that. Cause I'm in the same, I'm in the same industry, right? Cleaning. It's not glamorous, but I'm like, we're going to be the Chick-fil-A of commercial cleaning. And I started saying that and kind of had a vision and then wrote this thing down to the same time, Mads. I had this, what is our vision then? I want to be Chick-fil-A of commercial cleaning, but what is like that looked like for us? And again, what are we not living out now? And it's like, man, I want to be trusted by our clients Like, I just want them to know when they sign up with us, they're like, I know the job's going to get done. And again, at that point, we had some fractured truck client relationships because we weren't performing. So I want to be trusted by our clients. Our team members were griping. They were complaining. I was like, ah, man, I want to be appreciated by our team members. Like, I want the people that work here, I want want them to appreciate this place. And then the last thing I wrote was, uh, I want to be remembered by my community. I read this too in a book a long time ago. Can't remember the book, but it said, if your company were to cease to exist, Today, would anybody in your community miss you tomorrow? Like, would they even know that you are gone? I was like, all right, well, I want to be an impact player in our community. So this was in 2019. And again, 25% loss in six weeks. We went through this, this grinding process of flipping the culture. And it turned into, you know, I had team members complaining all the time. Now I have people and they're like, this is the best place I ever worked. Like we hear it all the time, you know, which is one thing to hear when somebody's 24 and they're working for you. But when somebody's 45 and they're like, "This is the best place I've ever worked. You guys make us feel so appreciated," it was that that culture shift, man. It just made such a huge difference. And that the bottom line aspect of it, over time, has been amazing because when you have people that enjoy where they work, they're engaged, they respect their leadership, they perform at a higher level. Think about it. We do this. If, if I if I like somebody and they like me. I show up for that person better in life than this other person. I feel like doesn't respect me, right? I'm like, ah, I don't really like that guy. And so, in that shift of being able to focus on what would set us apart, what would make us different, and who do we want to be, we just were able to answer questions that maybe before we we struggled to answer because we always knew. If we have a client situation. If we have a team member situation. We ask the question, "Hey, are we going above and beyond to serve that person right now?" You know, if we have a team member issue, right, like, where do we fall? Is it where's the core value issue right here? And also knowing, again, that thing of the vision statement for me, some people are like vision is like exactly where you're going. And we have those two as far as in like specific metrics, we're going to build a company of this size. So I'm like, the vision should be something that you can like, you can hit today. Like you just know you're still hitting it. And so again, I'm like, I want a company, my long-term vision, man, is always, I want a company where the people, are, my team members appreciate it. My clients trust yeah. us. And so we didn't have that at first. We, we didn't have it, man. Uh, but we built that. And now it's true for our company today. And it's just, it's been a joy to run it and a joy. I, I don't, I don't hate my job, man. I don't, I don't hate working where I work. You know, I don't hate running this place. I went from, I don't want to be the cleaning guy to now I got a podcast and coaching course completely associated with being like the cleaning guy.
0: Yep. I, I love it. I mean, I, I'm, I have a similar philosophy, but my, my focus have always been like, what I love doing is I love building businesses. I like creating jobs. So for me, a lot of the businesses I own and run is about job generation, because I believe fundamentally that's the biggest issue that the the world is facing, right? So I I believe when we look at at the world, right, like one of the biggest issues, particularly in the richer countries, is the fact that, you know, when people can't find a job, really they don't have, they often don't have a purpose in life, and that creates so much so much bad stuff, right? Like so many people who like when you see people walking on, on the street demonstrating over things and so on, right? Like that that's and, and this is not to stereotype, but this is typically people who haven't got jobs because mm-hmm. people who have jobs, who love their jobs and will do everything to make the company they work for successful, they don't spend their time running around the street complaining, right? Now I'm not saying complaining have no space, but I'm saying like most of the time when you see issues in any country, um, in those regards, it is typically a, a, a part of a response to the fact that people can't get jobs, right? So so my focus is very, very much about generating jobs and generating jobs for uh, people who want to, right? And it's it, the hardest thing I think is when you have people that have sort of died a slow death on unemployment, for example, uh, reinvigorating them and getting them back to life can be pretty damn difficult, right? Like if someone has been sitting staring at a TV nonstop for 10 years, like getting them all out of the couch and getting them to do things again can be really, really difficult, right? Um, but but again, if you create the opportunities, then it's more likely to happen if, than if there's no opportunities, right?
1: Absolutely. And that's what I love what you're doing, Mads, as far as in like coaching other small business owners. So you're talking about, you know, your direct impact on creating jobs for people. And again, and you know, not just jobs, but jobs that give people, a purpose, right? I mean, not, that's not their life's purpose, but if you're trading a lot of your time for something, you would hope that it, you feel good about what you're doing. But when you're coaching these other small business owners, the indirect impact of you exponentially being able to influence the creation of more jobs all around the world. I, I think that is just a very impressive thing. And uh, kudos to you for your investing your life and trying to help other people again, do the thing you're doing, like creating jobs, but creating meaningful jobs for others. And again, all around the world. Yeah, and, uh, for me, honestly, like
0: I, uh, like it sounds like, oh wow, I'm a Mesa guy. I do that. I, I mean, I do it for selfish reasons. It makes me feel good, right? So, mm. um, I I think that's like people have different motivations naturally, right? And and um, by by nature, I'm I'm very much motivated by helping other people. But but fundamentally, I mean. I, like other people, I do things because it makes me feel good, right? Yeah. So I don't I don't think people should glorify things like that. Um, but I think it's more about, again, understanding, like, how can you take... A, a lot of people have a motivation for helping other people. But the biggest challenge for many people is that when they have that, they often forget to take care of themselves. And mm. the thing is, if you forget yourself, it's often very difficult to take care of other people. Because if you're not in shape, if you're not eating healthy, if you're not you know, relatively successful in whatever you're doing, then, you know, you're only able to take care of so many people and help so many people. But the more you learn to utilize your strength and utilize wherever you are to actually create something great, the better outcome you will have.
1: Right? Yeah. That's so good. You know, we, we always hear the example of the oxygen mass from the airplane, you know, cause so they always tell, Hey, don't help anybody until you got yourself connected first, but we see so many people burn out and, you know, entrepreneurs, leaders, because they do forget to take care of their personal health. I just, you know, and this was my story recently too, Mads. I mean, the, this past year, we really invested a lot in the company and do a lot of work. And I realized like, man, I I was doing, I had really good health habits in 2020 and in 2021, they eroded. And so just this month, I was like, all right, I got to get back into making sure that Josh Melton is the very best version of Josh Melton. And that means that I got to be physically active consistently every day. I got to drink lots of water, these simple life things, you know, they're not even big deals, but it's just taking making sure I was taking care of myself better because that's what's going to help me take my team and my company to the next level. My company and my team, they deserve the best version of me. And and my wife and family. And then and, and I deserve the best version of me and being able to spend that time to do it. You're right. Um, it's easy to get that. My friend Vincent Puglisi told me this. He's like, Oh, have you ever heard? It? It's called the helper's high. You know, like you just you really like helping people and it just brings you joy. But you can get out of whack and stop taking care of yourself. And and yeah, you can't take care of as many people when you're not up to speed personally with your own personal health and well-being.
0: 100%, 100%. Right, so um, we talked a little bit about leadership so far, but I think one of the things that are critically, critically important is really the mindset, right? Because I think fundamentally, business people out there, like people who run their own ship, they want to do well, right? Like they're not purposely not growing their business uh, but a lot of the time they're struggling right I, I see a lot of people struggling with like some delegation or you know how do we hire the right people and so on but but fundamentally what's sort of your approach to really make sure that you that you sort of have a great leadership mindset like what what does that look like
1: so the first thing i think goes into the taking care of yourself thing we mentioned before like i think that it's you know I heard this early on too leaders or readers. So I think leaders, you know, if you want to level up, you're constantly investing in putting yourself in environments or experiences to, to, to strengthen your mind, right? We want to be growth minded. We want to always be getting better. So whether that's listening to podcasts, podcast, whether that's being part of, you know, different uh, coaching communities, I think having a coach is absolutely huge. We, I mean, as leaders, that's what we do, right? Like we're coaching a team. And oftentimes, if you're an entrepreneur, if you are the owner, you forget to get coaching yourself. So I think those are big things. Um, I think that the biggest challenge, Mads, I see in leadership and especially small business, there's, there's two things that happen. We start these things for a reason. There's something inside of us that's like, either I can do that better or focused on doing our product better or most, I think more often than not, some personal desire of like, there's a level I want to get to that I'm not at. You know, I can't get there at my job. So I want to do this. And so we have this vision for something better. And we kind of cast it out there and we start chasing it and it gets really easy along the way to get focused on the tool that we're using to chase the, the vision and stop looking at the vision. And so now instead of pursuing the life of my dreams, the, you know, the life that I want, I'm focused on tinkering with this tool that I've developed that's supposed to get me there and it becomes my obsession. It becomes my, it becomes oftentimes our boss. We're just, ah, we're on this thing. So I think that the biggest thing for leaders is that we have to constantly remind ourselves of our vision, keep it in front of us, and then talk about it all the time. And all the time means 10 times more than you, than you want to. Because even when you're thinking about it, your team is forgetting. I heard the, the uh, pastor named Andy Stanley say this. He's a leadership coach as well. And he said, once you've talked about your vision to your team so much that the sound of your voice saying vision or related things, like makes you want to throw up, he's like, you're halfway there. So communicating the vision, keeping the vision strong for us, for emotional connection to the vision, but then communicating it too with passion to our team. And then figuring out as well, this is, I think, a big leadership gap. Many people miss this. What's the win for the people on your team in connection to that vision? If your vision is just all about you or all about the company, man, bro, they they don't own the company. They just work there. They're going to go home and they want to go home and forget about it. It stresses them out how is that person going to win because of this vision because if you can if you can get that in line then they again then they can they're starting to take a personal responsibility they're starting to get motivated toward you know doing their best so i think that that communication gap on that Mads, i think that is the biggest struggle in leadership i got some things going right now in a different organization and i'm like man our communication sucks and because our communication sucks like we're not communicating the vision well And we're not relating the vision to our individual team members as to how that would, hey, this vision, this is how it makes your life better. And it's not the same for all of them. You know, for the person who is the the extrovert that wants to be seen, you know, what triggers that person, what makes, you know, for good or bad is different than like the data scientist that just wants to work by themselves. And so if you're trying to cast the same, like, this is how it impacts you and it's the same for, no, it's not, it's different. So how does the vision get communicated to the team members? In a way that makes them connect emotionally with the company vision. And the only way to do that is you got to be tied in, like passionate, consistently, daily, spinning that vision in your own head. And you can't get so stuck focusing on fixing the problems that you lose sight of the, the promised land, man. Don't look, don't lose sight of the promised land because you got the mountain of problems of your business in front of you. Look over it because that's what gets us the energy, the passion, the enthusiasm to work through the problems. Connect the vision to your people. And I think to me, I'm like, that is the secret to success in business. You got inspired people that are engaged. They all know where they're going. It's communicated well. People will move mountains to get your business to the promised land, but starts with the leader. If the leader's not inspired, if the leader's not daily dreaming about it, daily communicating it, it ain't going to happen. 100%. 100%. Excellent.
0: Excellent, Josh. I uh, I think that sounds fantastic. I mean uh, I love your mindset and everything. So, uh awesome to talk with you. Uh any sort of resources or anything you would recommend here before we finish uh, off? Yes,
1: yeah, so I'll give a book recommendation. Um this is the book. It's a it's an old one. It's it's a good one. Uh, in my opinion it's one that shaped a lot of my mentality with these things. And I think it's where I picked up the personal responsibility. Uh, 7 Habits of Highly Effective People uh by Dr. Stephen Covey. It, it just you can buy it on like Audible or something. It's a great book to listen to. Stephen Covey reads it himself. It just is a great, it's a it's a work of art and it will change the way you lead your team if you implement those seven habits. And again, there's I'll tell you all the time, Mads. I'm like, hey, that's not a win-win, guys. So there's no deal here. Unless we can find a win for all of everybody combined, there's no deal. And again, 100 percent from that book. So if you're wanting to be an effective manager, an effective leader, go read that book. If you've read it before, read it again. And again, my two senses. Buy it on, buy the audio copy because it's just, you can do it while you're doing something else and it's just a great experience. So I'd give that as a takeaway uh, as far as and that could help. I think that could help and serve anybody who's listening to this podcast to take, get that book, learn it and implement it in your business. Fantastic, Josh. Uh, if people are eager to get hold of
0: you, what's the best way to do
1: so? Yeah, best way is I'm easily findable typically on uh, Instagram or Facebook. My Instagram tag is at StrongerJosh. And then on Facebook, it's Josh Melton. You can easily find me. But yeah, feel free to reach out if I can help you or encourage you in any way. I'd love to do so.
0: Perfect, Josh. Thank you so much for joining me today. That was fantastic. Thanks, Mads. Excellent. And to the audience, we'll be back again next week. Thank you for hanging on all the way to the end. And don't forget to leave a review.
1: Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at MadSingers.com.